Welcome to Just Beat Us, the podcast about the real side of living with type 1 every day. Your hosts are Millie and Jeline. This podcast is for anyone who wants to commiserate, swap war stories, and build a community of support around Just Beat Us. Hi, this is Millie. And this is Jeline. And you are listening to the Just Beat Us podcast. Um, And today we are going to do some diabetes basics. Uh, We have gotten a super positive response since we first started releasing episodes. Um, And we have a really supportive group of family and friends. And one of the requests that came in um, actually a couple times is to do like a diabetes one-on-one and just talk through the basics of the definition, some of the things we're talking about, because I know some of our listeners don't actually have type 1. Um, so that's what we're going to cover today. I think we're going to go through just some quick facts to start off. Yes. Um, and then we'll get a little more in depth on some of the topics. So type one diabetes is an autoimmune disease. Um, and with an autoimmune disease, it basically means that your own immune system within your body is attacking, uh, in this case for diabetes, the pancreas. Uh, which is an organ that produces insulin. Um, And it affects the pancreas's ability to produce insulin. So it attacks uh, what is called the beta cells, which produces insulin, which is a hormone that everyone needs. You and me. (laughs) Um, Everyone needs, and it basically regulates the amount of glucose in your bloodstream, which effectively is how we generate the energy that we use. So without the insulin that's being created um, by your pancreas, your body doesn't have access to that glucose within your blood. Um, And that's where like glucose levels when you're first diagnosed are really high, but your body can't access that energy. So you feel super tired and and your body is basically failing. Um, And then so type one means that we do not produce insulin at all. Um, so we will be diving into like the misconceptions of type one and type two, which type two is probably a much more common type of diabetes that you've heard of that like your grandparents might've had that we hear about your grandparents had. (laughs) (laughs) So we do not produce insulin at all. We have to take it via injections, whether that be, um, syringe and vial, um, manual injections through insulin pens or through different types of insulin pumps. And so your blood glucose level has to be within a specific range. Um, and everyone has variations in that range. So someone who does produce insulin, even when they um, eat food or do something else that would affect the blood glucose level, there's some variations, but your body automatically responds to it to create that balance. Um, when you have type 1 diabetes, because you aren't automatically producing any insulin, and you have to take it um, from like an external source, it's basically a 24-7 control issue. So if I'm going to, well, maybe we can just talk about some of the things that affect blood glucose next before we get into like the insulin control. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I think the easier question would be what doesn't affect True. Uh, glucose levels. Um, glucose, fancy word for sugar. So literally what we eat, what we do for exercise... When we're sick, when we're stressed, if we sleep too much, if we don't sleep enough, everything affects your blood sugar level. And I I don't think that the general public really fully understands 
that level of it. Like I, I think there's, I think people understand that we need to control our blood sugar, but I don't think they understand what it takes to control our blood sugar. Right. Like I think everybody knows, uh, especially in like the current diet like system that we have now, carbs, like carbs are sugar and sugar is carbs. And like that affects your blood glucose for sure. And that's like the number one thing that they teach you about when you first get diagnosed, but there's so much more and what works for you on one day doesn't necessarily work for you the next day. So even if you eat the exact same meal, like exactly what you were saying, like if you're tired or if you're stressed, like that meal can affect you in a totally different way. Um, and that's where it's just this constant state of vigilance and monitoring and responding to not only what you have done in the past 24, 12 hours, but also what you're planning to do in the next, you know, day or whatever. So like, there's a ton of stuff that affects it. And because it's a hormonal thing, even just like getting your period, it's like, that's a whole different ballgame. I was, I was just going to say being on birth control. I mean, it's one of the, it's one of the main reasons that I stopped taking the birth control pill was because I noticed such resistance to insulin and it was just pissing me off. (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, you're basically trying to make up for this whole ecosystem within your body that's supposed to be self-regulating. And then it's like, surprise, not only do you not necessarily know how to do this, but like you're an imperfect supervisor of the system that should be running itself, basically. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into blood glucose levels. And I know I've had like friends be like, oh, well, if you just like know what you're eating, then you can just cover for it, right? And it's like, well, in theory, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the goal, but it doesn't right. work. It doesn't always work that way, right? So, I mean, we can kind of start from the top. Um, those were just a couple quick facts. I mean, we can kind of get into how we check our blood sugar, what's the normal range, and then kind of like a low blood sugar versus a high blood sugar. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, So I think we talked about, you know, it's a balance. You want to be within a specific range. um, But what are the risks and consequences if you go outside that range? So low blood sugar would be, say, you gave yourself too much insulin, for example, or you exercised, which used up that blood glucose, and now your blood sugar is low. What does that mean? A low blood sugar is like a very immediate problem. You need to take fast-acting glucose, so, you know, just straight sugar, things like juice, fruit, candy, but not like chocolate. You know, you want things without fat or protein in them, just sugar. Um, And it really needs to be treated almost immediately because if you continue to go lower and lower, you will, you know, pass out, go into a coma, have a seizure, and it's like a potentially fatal situation, and it can escalate really quickly. So for me, like I start to feel low when I'm like below 70-ish and I'm fairly functional between like 60 and 70. And then once I go like below 60 or 55, then I'm shaking and sweating and I'm weak and I'm grouchy and I pretty much just like have to sit down and not do anything except deal with that low blood sugar. And like in bad cases, I'll have little spots in my vision where like I can't see. So that's like an indicator to me that I'm like, having a really bad low blood sugar, which for me would be like in the Mm forties. That's like when I would consider it pretty bad. 
Um, and I think the lowest I've ever been was like 29, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and that's super scary shit. Right. I mean, (laughs) and the fact that you were still, I I mean, I've known of certain cases where people pass out and they're in the fifties. But again, I think that has a lot to do with where you keep your normal range. Mm -hmm. Um, because if you're a type 1 diabetic and your normal blood sugar is 200, you're going to feel low at 100, where we would feel low in the range of like a person without type 1 diabetes would also have low blood sugar. Right. It's, you know, you can have low blood sugar without having type 1 diabetes. You've probably heard of hypoglycemia. Which is literally the word for low blood low sugar. Low blood sugar. <laughs> And just to even take a step back, because I know I just like dove right into it, but like for me, my normal range is, I always shoot for 100, but my normal range is like 80 to 140, which is like generally the range I think for most people, but it is also like totally personal with your doctor. So I don't know if that's yours too. Um, Yes. So my range is 80 to 140, my target being 120, like 120 to 130 for bedtime and then like lower throughout throughout the day. Yeah. And I think that 70 to 140 range is where you would typically be if you didn't have diabetes with, you know, only hitting 140 if you say sat down and like had a stack of pancakes and your blood sugar like shoots up and then your body automatically responds and like brings you down as soon as you hit 140. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas my blood sugar like probably is within that 130 to 140 range all the time because I'm not going to overreact and give myself more insulin to potentially bring on that low because it is such a, then like a crisis, you know? Right. So people with type 110 to run a little bit higher than people without it because overcorrecting with insulin brings along this risk that people without diabetes don't really have. Absolutely. Not to totally get sidetracked, just kind of a little story and the comparison is me and John's first vacation together was in New Orleans. And we went to this amazing breakfast spot called the Ruby Slipper. And we went back to the hotel room after. And like, I don't even want to tell you what I ate, but <laughs> <laughs> but I want to hear about it. It was probably amazing. <laughs> it was, and it was worth it. But I was like, I checked my blood sugar and I was like, you know what? I just want to check yours, John. I just want to see. Like, I just want to see if maybe it's like 115, 120. And then I can be like, ha. Like you're a little bit high because because like you ate you ate something bad too. So I check mine. Mine's like two eighty seven. I'm like, yeah. Well, I saw that coming, and I'm correcting. I check his. It was like eighty three. I'm like, you son of a. It's amazing <laughs> what the pancreas can do when it works. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, that's not fair. Like the, and then you know, but I the mean, human it body is, fair is amazing. <laughs> but like, just kind of to show like that's what we deal with and that's why I mean we'll talk about pet peeves too of people telling us what we should and should not eat and what we can and cannot eat and you know I am gonna indulge once in a while but yes we do typically avoid those situations because bigger doses is bigger corrections is bigger errors more carbs and more errors right it's not to say I can't eat whatever I want it just makes it harder and it's how much difficulty am I prepared to deal with today? You know, and I feel like that's when you have type one diabetes, that's like what you question every morning when you wake up, (laughs) how much am I willing to deal with today? Do you want to talk a little bit about high blood sugar and like what that range looks like? Um, Yes. So high blood sugar for me, something that I'm 
going to correct like immediately is like above 170. Like if I'm going to work and my blood sugar is 170 and I know that I'm going to be working for the next seven hours and not stopping and not eating, I'm probably going to leave it the way it is because I know that I'll naturally come down. Yeah. And then like anything above 185, if I'm going to like be like, if I'm going to be watching a movie on the couch or going for a drive or, mm-hmm. you know, um, then I will correct anything above 180 for sure. And then what's like really high for you? Really high for me is 300 and up. Yeah. Um, but not like hospital status. I think hospital status would have to be above 500. I mean, I know even if I'm forced something, I'm, I can bring myself down. Right. I mean, I feel like crap, but I find what that about you? now that I am better in control, especially with the continuous glucose monitors, which we've talked about how like life changing those have been for us. Yes. Now when I'm in the three hundreds, I feel it really, really badly. Um, whereas I think when I was in college and I was like playing it a lot more fast and loose, yep. 300 felt a little bit more normal. And so I probably wouldn't feel that like third, like when you're super high, and you're struggling, you're so thirsty. For me, it's just like, I literally cannot drink enough water. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're just like, no energy. I think this is a common misconception of like, oh, if you eat a lot of sugar, you have like a ton of energy all of a sudden, right? And for us, it's like, yeah, there's all this sugar in your blood and you can't use that energy. Your blood's just like carrying around all this extra sugar, but like your body is starving. So Mm -hmm. you're just like super lethargic, super thirsty. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I don't think I would even like reach out to a doctor unless I was in, um, like diabetic ketoacidosis, which I guess we also need to define that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, with the continuous glucose monitor, I couldn't tell you a time that I've been in the 300s when I, when I am wearing it, I Cause you can, couldn't tell you a time. Yeah, you can head it off. It allows you to provide more like of a preventive thing. But so, I mean, sometimes it still happens to yeah. me depending on what I eat and depending on like how with it I am at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say like 300 is like pretty high for me, pretty rare now. 400, 500 is like super high. I think uh, the meters that we use, at least for me, don't go over either like 500 or 600. And so I've seen, I've had situations before where I've done my blood sugar and it just says high. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's like too high to even be read. And that I would say is like my most terrifying moment where you go, oh my God, what happened? So high that can't even read the, can't even produce the number. You don't even know what the number is. That's great. Yeah. So that's like lows and highs. I think we hit. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I guess, um, so the danger of being high. I talked about how it makes you feel crappy, but like if you're super high and you go into DKA, diabetic ketoacidosis, that basically means that your body has switched to using ketones for fuel. This is where like, I'm like, I'm sorry, we have to get kind of sciencey. Um, your body has primarily uses glucose for energy. And then if it can't access that glucose, it it starts burning fat and muscle, which generates these things called ketones. Um, And that's like the basis for the keto diet, which ketones on their own are not necessarily inherently bad. But for people with type 1 diabetes, if there's also no insulin in your body, then you go to into this like acidosis state where like your acid levels are actually wrong too. 
And that is life-threatening. I didn't know that. I only know this because <laughs> I did the keto diet for a while and mm-hmm. I was afraid of it and I needed to figure out what the difference was. Yeah. So you can be in nutritional ketosis, which is you're not eating any carbs and your body's running off ketones like normally as long as there's insulin in your bloodstream. But if you're not, if you have type 1 diabetes and you don't have any insulin and you're producing ketones, that's when it's like a really dangerous situation and you can die. But say you're in the 200s, you have insulin, you've just been eating cake all day or whatever. The risk there is long term. Yeah. Every high blood sugar is long term damage. Right. Because I think it's like, oh, I could just not go low and it wouldn't be an immediate problem. I can run high, whatever. But the risk there which is hard to see when you're 20 and an idiot is (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's cardiovascular disease. It's blindness. You know, it's retinal damage. It's kidneys and liver. It just puts all this extra stress on your body. It causes circulation problems. So that's where you'll hear about like amputations when you're older. So it's like, while the danger might not be now, it's minutes and hours and days off your life at the end of your life. So Mm -hmm. that's where it's a balance with your blood glucose, but it's also like a balance with your risk level. Like, are you Mm -hmm. in danger right now or are you in danger at the end of your life? Right. So something that um, at one of my appointments, you know, years ago when I definitely was not in like as tight control as I am now, we were talking a lot about high blood sugar and long-term damage and also how hard it is when you're younger to like foresee that damage yeah. and like focus on that because at 207 and 220 you probably feel fine I for feel, the most part I feel totally fine when I'm 200 but she also was like well yeah like you feel fine at 220 so you know right in that moment like what's the big deal however if say every time our blood sugar was above 200 we vomited we probably would never let our blood... Sh- I mean, I would. I have, like, vomit phobia yeah, to the... no thank you. Like, <laughs> really, really bad. You know, that's the thing, though. There's not, like, an immediate consequence of a high blood sugar. But and, you- I, and I just... I thought that was, like, an interesting analogy, if that's even what you call it, because it's like, yeah, if I puked every time my blood sugar was 200, I probably wouldn't ever let my blood sugar get above 200. But if I'm about to do a workout or if I'm... A, be at work for eight hours or, you know, for whatever the reason is, I ate a grilled cheese and didn't cover, like, (laughs) didn't take enough insulin for it. Like, but I know I'm going to come down in a few hours, like, probably going to coast that 207 for a little bit if it seems to be coming down on its own. But there's um, definitely long-term, long-term damage is the result of high blood sugars, which is why we don't just go for checkups with endocrinologists, we go to eye exams and, um, I don't have a podiatrist, but I get, um, foot exams like every six months. Um, they take like a metal rod and it like vibrates and then they touch each toe and it's like, can you feel that? Can you feel that? Can you feel that? It's just, again, like the 24 seven constant, management of not even just not even just diabetes but all that comes with it with thinking about the long-term damage as well 
Right. The list of blood work that you have to get done or even like the urine tests that you have to get. You're like, oh, right. There's that I have to be worried about. Like there's all of these related potential long-term effects and also related like autoimmune disorders. Because if your immune system has responded in a particular way to your pancreas, it's also more likely to respond to other things. So, you know, thinking that too. Yeah. Because people with diabetes are more likely to have celiac disease, which is also autoimmune um Hashimoto's yeah I actually I take um level thyroxine for Hashimoto's yeah because it's all that same endocrine system where it's like one thing's out of whack and now we get to deal with all (laughs) the rest of it I know we were just I was just mentioning like I already have um appointments booked from February of 2020 for once a month for the rest of the entire year for pregnancy preparation. And I tell people that and they're like, well, why? Like, why is it so different? Don't you just have to like watch what you eat? And I'm like, oh, there's so it's much like more. so frustrating. Right. I think the pregnancy thing is a really interesting topic. I think um, maybe we should define A1C and then we can talk about like the guidelines in general versus like pregnancy. So A1C, um, oh my God, do you know what A1C stands (laughs) for? Because I don't. (laughs) Oh my God, I don't either. But I know it's hemoglobin. It's hemoglobin. So technically the test is called HbA1C. And I am pretty sure the HB stands for hemoglobin, which doesn't really make any sense. (laughs) No, you're right. I love how we're like, we're diabetes experts. What is that? (laughs) Well, it's basically a blood test that um, measures your average blood glucose level over the past three to four months. So that's why typically someone with type 1 diabetes will go to their endocrinologist every three months so that they can get this test. And it's totally retroactive. It doesn't have to do with like risk factor in the future. It's just how have you been doing for the past three months? And it uses a different scale from blood sugar. So like where we were talking about being between like 70 to 140, um, A1C is a completely different scale just to make it mm-hmm. more more confusing. Yeah. Um, Why not? So if someone does not have diabetes and they go to the doctor and they get their blood test and their A1C is 5.5 or below, then they're like safe, non-diabetic, not pre-diabetic, not at risk. If you're above that, that's where you're starting to show signs of either type 2 diabetes or you're developing type 1. That's sort of like the cutoff for quote unquote being like normal. Mm-hmm. Then if, if you have type one obviously that scale is unrealistic i certainly have never had an a1c in the fives because we just tend to run higher so they want people with diabetes to be below it's either 6.5 or 7 depending typically on your doctor Mm -hmm. is like the once you get below that number you don't have the risk of those long-term complications we were talking about whether or not that's realistic for people really depends on your lifestyle. So like when I was in college, I really pushed for like around an eight, which is still pretty good. You know, like when you hear about people who aren't in control, like sometimes it'll be in like the 13s, 14s, which really means like you're running pretty high mm-hmm. at that rate. And that's when you really start to see some of those long-term complications since I got the C the CGM, my personal goal has been to be below seven, which I've hit like twice. <laughs> I was yeah same. same. <laughs> um, so like your goal and what actually happens is obviously mm-hmm. different. Um, but I know 
for pregnancy because having high blood sugars really puts the baby at risk and the whole pregnancy at risk, those are different. So do you know what those guidelines are? So I was told by my doctor, ideally, she would like to have me under six, like while trying to get pregnant. I am mm-hmm. not pregnant right now. Um, <laughs> disclaimer. And I've never, I mean, I think my lowest was a 6.6 and I felt amazingly accomplished with that. It's not obviously undoable. I think there's a lot of type one women who have had very successful pregnancies and very healthy babies. And, you know, that's obviously the goal. But I think people don't realize how, like, I'm petrified. I want to be a mom, but I am like so terrified of being pregnant. I mean, I definitely feel lucky that I have the support staff that I have and the medical team that I have. She's like, yeah, you'll be seeing us more than you see your family. Um, (laughs) you'll you'll be, she's like, I know I'm not painting like the prettiest picture, but like, you know, we're going to do it. And I'm like, okay. Well, I think it's good (laughs) to be realistic and I think it's good to like have high expectations for yourself but also be realistic about the amount of work that's going to take. And yeah. like, it's not like pregnancy is easy. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, <laughs> I, like in like, I'm not saying exactly. I'm not saying anyone without diabetes has a, a super easy, normal pregnancy. I mean, it's different for everyone and it's hard no matter what, but you know, the added stress of like this condition is, it's just a lot more management and meticulous and a lot more risk going into it. Um, I think that's the theme of this podcast is that diabetes makes just everything harder. Yes. <laughs> it's manageable. That's a good one oh one fact. But it makes everything in your life harder. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's that's your diabetes one oh one. Just be Thanks for listening. And as always, feel free to connect with us on social media. You can email any feedback or topic ideas to justbeatus at gmail.com. That's J-U-S-T-B-E-T-E-S at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at Just Beat Us or follow Jalene's T1 Journey at at Jalene T1D at J-I-L-L-E-E-N T1D.